1: This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Got a lot of things going on right now. You know, no Mets tonight, but Yankees are going to start in about a half an hour. They're in Anaheim to take on the Angels. we we'll get to them in just a second here. You got Serena at the U.S. Open. And you know what? Give her a lot of credit. She stared down some adversity earlier in this match, especially in that first set. Pulled through, took the first set, 6-3. Now she's up a break in the second, 4-2. Two. She's two games away from the second round. And that'd be a big deal. I think it really and truly would be. Like I said, she's only won one singles match since June of 2021. This would be big. Every single win, none of them you could take for granted at this point in her career. And everything she's been through and on the court, off the court, you know, having a life age, all that stuff, any win is monumental. But she's still got to close here. You know, bring out the Mariano slash Edwin Diaz powers and close the door two games away on center court at Arthur Rash Stadium. We'll talk about that when it goes final. Meantime, before we get to the Yankee stuff, another baseball matter that just happened a couple of moments ago. In Cincinnati, Albert Pujols. Goes Apo Taco, number 694 for Albert. So how about that? I still think 700 is a long shot. That's just me. I mean, that's a lot to ask, especially where he is in his career. I know that he's gotten red hot, especially since the All-Star break. In all seriousness, Pujol since the All-Star break? I mean, like if the Yankees could, they trade for him. <laughs> he's, he's been better than Judge since the All-Star break. <laughs> Tell Judge to move down on the line. If Albert, you're hitting second. Um, But he's up to 694. At the very least, what he's doing, and I think this actually makes more of a difference than even him getting 700. He's going to pass A-Rod. You know, if he stays healthy, he's going to pass A-Rod. And don't you want that to happen? Don't you want, like, the cheater guys... Further down on the list of the records and all that stuff, like as much as possible. I know that Bonds is still at the top and he can't do anything about that. But then after Bonds, there's a good chance of it being Aaron, Ruth, Pujols. Think about that. Albert Pujols will be fourth. A-Rod is at 696. Albert is at 694. He's going to hit three more home runs, and that's all I need from him. Just get me three more. He doesn't have to get to 700. Just get to the three so then he can at least leapfrog A-Rod. And that'd be a great story. And the Cardinals, say something about the Cardinals. They're sneaky in the National League. Like, if you're talking about the Mets and, you know, teams you might not want to see come October in the playoffs, Cardinals are sneaky. Not just because of the history that they've had with the Mets in the postseason, but they're going to win that division. Jack Flaherty, who... You know, as of a couple of years ago, was their ace, young ace. He's battled some arm injuries. He's going to make his final rehab start coming up uh, in a couple of days. And then he's going to get back in this rotation. Cardinals have a very easy schedule the rest of the season. And they end the season with six games in a row against the Pittsburgh Pirates. So think about that for a second. If Albert is chasing history... You're closing the year with six in a row against one of the worst teams in baseball, the Pittsburgh Pirates. You know, maybe he might do this thing when push comes to shove. Maybe he might get to 700. That would be cool. It really and truly would be. Um, The guys tell me, too, that that home run was the 450th off of a different pitcher in his career. So how about that? That is some variety right there. 694 of them, 450 of the 694 off of a different pitcher. Which is now the all-time record passing Barry Bonds. So there you go. So at least Barry gets knocked down off of that one. You know, Barry goes to the cocktail party. He's not going to be able to tell folks that he has that record. And he doesn't deserve it either because he cheated. Um, Yankees. Taking on the Halos tonight. Montas against Suarez. I said earlier... This is an opportunity, and this is the game you think that Montas is going to get the job done here. You expect him to because he's pitched against the Angels how many times in his career, right? I mean, you think about this guy making his living in the American League West. I mean, he's seen this Angels team a ton, a ton. So he knows all their secrets. They also know his, but you expect him to go out there and give you another good performance. I want to see a Montas last night or tonight. I want to see a guy who's a little bit more in control. Then even the last start against the Mets. Because that Mets game, which was, what was it, Monday night at Yankees? I can't remember if it was the Monday or the Tuesday. It doesn't matter. But that start, Mets, I think, also helped him out a little bit. Remember, he had a lot of traffic. A lot of traffic on the bases, especially in the first couple of innings. And if the Mets could just get one meaningful hit, that might have shortened his night considerably. But they were unable to get it done. He made the pitches when he needed to. And he was able to live to see another day there. So you want to grow off of that. Maybe a little bit more of a controlling performance tonight against an Angels team. Which remember had to fly all the way across the country. I know that they swept Toronto this weekend. But they had to fly from Toronto all the way out to the West Coast. The Yankees all they had to do was just fly from the Bay Area down to Southern California. So you would think the Yanks would be the fresher team here. Let's hope. Um, And that gets underway as I said in about a half an hour from now. With Montas on the mound. Clay Holmes. Off of the IL, he's now back into the mix. We'll see how Booney deploys the back end of the bullpen because you know that you don't have a Chapman as an option anymore because he went and got a tattoo and got infected. Um, Yeah. How about that one? We haven't had any solutions yet. I said at the beginning of the show, we're going to have to put our heads together. We're going to have to find something tonight. You know, ask around, see if we could find, you know, a tattoo parlor, a tattoo artist, somebody who's reliable enough to where, you know, we can maybe point Chappie into the right direction to where if he wants to get some more body ink, you know, he's going to get it safely and he's not going to have to require a stint on the IL after getting a tattoo. I mean, at the very least, we think that we should all be able to afford that opportunity, right? Safe, healthy tattoos. Nothing wrong with that. But it's like when it rains, it pours with this guy. You want to trust him. You want him to be a big part of this team. You want him to be a big part of the bullpen. But, but then crap like this happens. I don't know what's worse. Like, would you rather like this or him, you know, surrendering big hits, big home runs, walking the ballpark in a big spot for the Yankees? Like, which is worse? I don't think either one of them is any good. And the Yankees got to pick it up offensively. You know, like I was crying before about the, Yan- uh, about the Met offense and their inability to tack on runs and, and, and that sort of thing. Yankee offense has gone like quiet as hell. You know, Anthony Rizzo, where you been? Anthony Rizzo having a problem running the bases these days, face playing as he's rounding first. You know, D.J. LeMayhew, same thing. And I know that you know, he's got the foot excuse and all those things, but hey, man, you're hurt or you're not hurt. You know, if you're in there to play, you should be good enough to play. And D.J. had that awful throw what was that on Friday night trying to turn that double play and he threw it you know about 18 feet wide of first base which allowed the winning run to come home so yeah I mean I, I'd like to be able to sit here and say that all is right in Yankee land but you know, it could be better I don't think it's perfect I don't think that you're worried about losing the division I mean seven and a half games you're fine um You're three and a half behind the Astros for the top spot. I still think that that might be a long shot at this point. Now, the thing about Houston, which is interesting, do you see Justin Verlander got uh, hurt over the weekend yesterday? Had to leave his start after um, three innings. And it wasn't anything with his arm. It was uh, a calf injury. But they still haven't told you how serious it is, how long he's going to be out. If the Astros don't have Justin Verlander, that changes the complexion like big time, big time. And there's already a report out here that the um, Astros are going to call up one of their top pitching prospects when the roster expands uh, on September 1st. And is that just because, okay they have extra roster space to work with and they want another arm or are they doing it because they know something about Justin Verlander that he's not going to be available for them? You know, he's the guy that I think separates Houston from the Yankees more than anything else because you trust Verlander as a proven ace in the postseason, whereas Garrett Cole is a guy that you hoped he would be that guy, but he just hasn't been consistently enough. So Verlander's absence here for the foreseeable future, that could tip the scales a little bit, maybe back in the Yankee favor. It really and truly could. So it'll be interesting to see how those results turn up and and what happens with the Astro Ace when all is said and done here. But Yanks and Halos, three-game series, all night games too. Montas tonight, Tyone tomorrow, Cole coming up on Wednesday. And then they get a day off on Thursday and then go down to Tampa for three games, which, you know, could be interesting. But just take care of business against this Angels team. They're not that good. I know that they got Trout. I know that they got Otani. But you're better than they are. And Serena wins. 6-3, 6-3. Six three six right, she gets a little bit of win, a little bit of momentum. Good to see. Now she gets into this tournament a little bit here, and we'll see you on Wednesday. Probably going to be a night match. You know, they're, like I said, they're going to try to milk this thing as much as possible. Uh, night sessions, selling tickets. So if I'm a betting man, if you're making any plans, if you're going to go on StubHub and see if you can buy U.S. Open tickets, um, probably going to be Wednesday night to see Serena, if you want to catch her out there at the U.S. Open. So good for her. She wins round one. Now on to... Round number two. We'll have more to say about that, plus some of your phone calls here at 800 3776. That is the telephone number. Dan Grasso with you till the top of the hour on this busy Monday, 987 ESPN. You're listening to the best of ESPN
0: New York tonight. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills S A V E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8 SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets' pizza. Better because it has to be.
1: case you're just joining us, Serena Williams wins. Round one match of the U.S. Open, so it's not over yet. Still more work to do. On to Wednesday. Bet on a night match. It's going to be a night session. So if you want to. Somehow get tickets. Try the night session on Wednesday if you want to see Serena on her way out there at the U.S. Open. I'm looking at the draw. Oh, she's playing Contavit, who is the two-seed on the women's side. So it's not going to be – she's playing a player who is certainly, certainly uh, more in form than the one she played tonight. So the point is it's, it's, it's not going to be easy. You know, she's going to have to be um, a lot sharper Wednesday. Then she would have to be tonight to uh, move on and continue on this uh, tournament. But we'll see what happens. I mean, that's that's great thing about sports, right? You show up, you never know what can happen on any given day. And uh, it's not supposed to be easy. It's supposed to be difficult, especially when you're talking about a major and winning the top prize. But hey, stories are, you know, Jimmy Connors, once upon a time, what was that, 1991? You know, when he was 39 years old, nobody had any hopes for him. And he made a run all the way to the semifinals at the U.S. Open. Crowd on his side. Energizing the fans, you know, my buddy Patrick McEnroe, (laughs) the five-setter and and all those things. So, I mean, you know, these things happen. Last year at the U.S. Open, Emma Raducanu, the youngster who, you know, won the whole thing. She was a qualifier. She had to to qualify for the main draw. She had to come, you know, a week early and win matches out on the outer courts and just get into the draw, and then she went all the way and won the whole damn tournament. So anything is possible, and that's why this stuff is so fun here. Um, Tom Brady was back. I don't know if you guys caught that. Came back to the Buccaneers, as he said he would, as the Bucs said he would. I'm sure that was uh, pleasing to Todd Bowles and everybody with the organization. I don't think it's going to make the questions go away any sooner, though. But he's back. And he played the other night. And, you know, we were having some fun with it last week, remember? About why he was gone. What was he missing all this time for? Like, what was he having done? There were those rumors about the Masked Singer on Fox, that he was a contestant on that. And, you know, he had agreed to do it during his so-called, you know, mini retirement. And that that was an obligation that he had to uphold. Because remember, you know, Fox is going to pay him, I I lost track, what is it, three or four hundred million dollars when his career was over, to step into the booth and, and you know, call games. So Fox Price said, hey, Tom, if we're paying you all this money, you're going to do the mass Singer. Joe Buck did it. You could do it. So maybe that was it. Maybe that wasn't it. Who knows? But he did a press conference after the game the other night when they played in Indianapolis, and he just – he looked different. You know, it was almost like he took a two-week absence to go get, like, more plastic surgery done. And make no mistake about it, you know – Go back and look at pictures of Tom when he broke into the league, you know, 22 years ago. He's had a ton of work done. You know, I don't care, avocado ice cream, I don't care if you, you rub it all over your face. It's not going to change your appearance like good old-fashioned, you know, uh, surgery would. And he's had plenty of it, okay? I mean, the hair, the eyes, the, 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 the teeth, the, the cheeks, the, the, the chin, the everything. And it looks like he got even more work done because, like, people were making comparisons. Like, the shape of his face looks different than it did even, like, a few weeks ago at training camp. Like, uh, does he have, like, a plastic surgery obsession? Tom's obsessed. Is that part of the TB12 method? Is that what we're talking about here with Tom? You know, winning Super Bowls and and, and getting cosmetic surgery? Is that what he's all about? So, of course, like, you know, inquiring minds want to know. And the media that we're in the locker room or at the press conference after the game, just trying to find out, you know, what the hell's happening with Tom. They, of course, had some hard-hitting questions and, and, and wanted to get to the bottom of just, you know, where has he been? What has he been up to? And this was uh, this was Tom's answer.
0: It's all personal. You know, everyone's got different situations they're dealing with, so we all have really unique challenges to our life. And I'm 45 years old, man. There's a lot of shit going on. So, you know, you just got to try to figure out life the best you can. And, you know, it's a uh, continuous process, so.
1: Yeah, I mean, we joke about it and everything, so you hope everything is okay, right? I mean, you know, in, in terms of the family, you hope nobody's sick, nobody's ill or or anything in that stretch, but it's just, it's weird, you know? It, that's why, you know, when the when that news broke the other day, or not the other day, but, you know, a couple of weeks ago, that he was going to be stepping aside for, you know, week and a half, 10 days, whatever it was from, from training camp, you're like, number one, that's not really something that Tom Brady would ever do. Like the ultimate competitor, the ultimate teammate, those type of things. This isn't something that, that, that he would in the middle of training camp. Like imagine all those years that he was with the New England Patriots. You think that that was something that Bill Belichick would ever sign up for and allow him to do? <laughs> He'd say like, you, you want to go away for a week and a half, don't come back. You know th- That's the rules we're playing by. Just don't come back. You know, and if you're Tampa Bay and, you know, Todd Bowles, what are you going to say? No. They realize the name of the game, and the name of the game is without Tom Brady, Tampa Bay is winning nothing, less than nothing. You know, they need this guy like, you know, you and I need oxygen. So they're going to unfortunately have to go along with whatever Tom had in a contract or whatever he said. You think that Blaine Gabbert and or, you know, Kyle Trask are going to deliver the Buccaneers to the promised land? If it's not Tom Brady, I don't think so. So they have to go along with it. But it still doesn't make it any less clear as to, like, what's going on. And more importantly, you know, what's his commitment to the NFL? What's his commitment to the team this year? Remember, this is the guy who was retired. He was gone. And we really never got, like, a straight story as to why he was retired for a few weeks and why he came back and why he was, who reported this, who leaked this. Who, it, it was weird. But I still always come back to something that, like, Bill Parcells said once. Remember? Talking about players, especially guys, like, you know, later in their careers. And he always said that whenever a guy is thinking about retiring, then they're already done. They're already retired. This guy was, by the letter of the law, retired for a period of time. And then he came back. So, I don't know what to believe. And I don't even know if you can necessarily feel confident if you're a Tampa Bay fan. Like, this would be a lot better if he was, like, maybe even still with the Patriots. Right? Because you don't even know what his commitment's going to be for the season. Now, I'd rather have Mac Jones, of course, to have to deal with in the AFC East than, you know, even Tom Brady being remotely associated with uh, one of the other teams. And by the way, you think the Patriots, like, this is... Aside from the two locals, of course, like there may not be a game on the week one schedule that I'm going to be more intrigued to watch than the Patriot Dolphin game. Because I need to get to the bottom and I think we all need to find out, like, are all these reports true about the Patriots offense and just how god awful they've been in practice, in preseason. I mean, think about how long uh, Belichick played his starters the other night in the game against the Raiders and how bad they looked. And then after the game, Belichick was almost in, like, excuse mode. Saying that, like, oh, yeah, well, you know, I think that they left it all out on the field uh, uh, in practice for those couple of days against the Raiders. And it's not just on the f- I told you, like, you know, word of anybody who's, you know, watching practice all summer for the Patriots. They say it's it, not good. The offense is hurting. It ain't good. You know, they're playing this, like, mystery game about who's calling plays. Is it Matt Patricia? Is it Joe Judge? Is it both? Is it, I I mean, what the hell's going on? Very hush-hush. And, you know, Belichick likes it that way up there. But the teams who benefit if the Patriots can't figure it out are teams like the Jets, the Bills, the Dolphins, everybody else in the AFC East. I'm not sold on Mac Jones. No way, no how. And I told you, on paper, Patriots roster is the least talented in all the AFC East. Jets have way more talent on paper than the Patriots do. I mean, the Patriots' skill position players, you look at them, and if you're a defensive coach, you're getting a good night's sleep going up against them the next day or that week. Like, who scares you? And I've seen a lot of quarterbacks who have good first seasons, and then they play dips the rest of their careers. I know Mike Tannenbaum, our buddy, has Mac Jones already in the Hall of Fame, but I'm not willing to go there yet. You know, I'll buy my ticket when we get there. If we get there. There's a lot of things. I mean, it's the NFL, right? Does that really surprise you? A lot of things that intrigue you about this season and how it's shaping up and what could potentially happen. Our buddy Dan Graziano, no relation, by the way, and yes, we are two different people. They get us all confused every time. Dan Graziano, Dan Graza, two people, two different people. He was on KJM this morning, and he talked about some of the concerns, like I've been outlining here, that I think a lot of folks are having regarding Tom Brady. Something
0: is up, right? I mean, like he didn't look or sound like himself in that news conference. If this was any other player... Like, ever, in any other sport, I'd be like, oh, boy, this guy's head's not in the right frame of mind to go into a season. We should be worried. <laughs> it's Tom Brady. So, like, he gets benefit of the doubt, right? So, I, I think that's that's sort of the only hesit. But, I mean, like disappearing for a week and a half in the middle of training camp, retiring, unretiring, and now this, like, coming back this way and looking kind of like, looking and sounding kind of worn down by stuff that's going on with him off the field, I mean, you'd think he'd be relieved to be back, especially if something was going on with him off the the field that was weighing on him but he didn't sound that way sound like he's still dealing with it
1: and he's 45 years old you know like his career is closer to being at the end than it is to the beginning I, I mean I'm not breaking any news there so then when you factor in all of these other oddities that have surfaced it does make you scratch your head a little bit does it not that this is not supposed to be the behavior we're seeing from the guy who was the ultimate winner, the ultimate teammate, the ultimate team first guy. And now he's putting him. My thing is this, right? And I know it's his life and why am I sitting here getting involved? But, you know, what? we're sitting here doing the show. Might as well talk about it, right? We got the real estate. Might as well. But if it is like personal stuff and it's family stuff and he said he's got a lot of you know what going on, then, dude, you know what? There's a simple solution. You're 45. You had a great freaking career. Just call it a career, man. Go be with your family. Go do what you got to do. You you know, even though you think you might have the world in the palm of your hand, you know, you can't have your cake and eat it, too, because it's not fair to all those other guys in that locker room who are busting their you-know-what in practice and in training camp each and every day, sweating, bleeding, potentially sacrificing their bodies, trying to land roster spots, trying to make the team better, and you're off either getting, you know, uh, Botox or, you know, off in Bermuda or doing whatever the hell it is with your family, then then just go live your life, man. You got nothing to improve, nothing, no more. You're good. You did it all. Nobody's going to say, like, you're not the best player, best quarterback. They know you're the guy. It's not like you're adding more to convince people at this point. You're done. There's probably more people, though, that are, like, anti this type of behavior than are supportive of it. I don't know. 800 That is the telephone number. Very strange. Very strange indeed. We'll come back, and we'll get into the latest on the Knicks and the Donovan Mitchell stuff. And what can we add to the story? Well, we'll tell you when we return. It's Dan Gross' show till 10, right here on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight.
0: Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details.
1: The latest here with the Knicks and Donovan Mitchell—he hasn't been traded. Okay, you would have heard it. I'm sure we would have talked about it a lot earlier in the show. If he was traded, that goes without saying. But there's reports now, like Mark Stein reported that if this does happen, and you know teams are dropping out like flies, you know Cleveland has now excused themselves from any type of conversations, because they think that the price is a little steep. And it really goes back to what we've been saying even leading up to this, is that the Knicks really present the best package possible for the Utah Jazz. So if Danny Ainge and company are dead set on making this happen, I mean, the Knicks are the logical trade partner. So don't try to rob them for everything that they have. Take a step back. And be a little bit more realistic in saying that, hey, you know what? If we do want to make something happen, and we do want to get at least as close to equal value as possible for a prize commodity like D. Mitch is, then the Knicks are the team. Maybe we shouldn't hassle so much over how many first-round picks we're asking for them. You know, maybe instead of four first-round picks, we'll take your three first-round picks. And we'll take... um. You know, we'll take one of your veteran guys. Like, okay, we'll we'll take some of that Evan Fournier contract off your hands. How about that? But just give up the draft choices and we'll be good to go. Like, isn't that a logical, a logical solution to all this is said and done? You know that he's not long for Utah. You know that he's going to be traded. And you know what? I like what the Knicks are doing, to be quite honest with you. I like the fact that they haven't just jumped in. It's okay, here, take it, take it, take it, take whatever you want. Take what you want. Because maybe in the past they were guilty of doing things like that, overpaying, giving up way too much for guys which you said, well, why are we doing this, right? Maybe the price is a little too rich for our blood. Like, why do we have to give up all this for this? Now, in this case, you know, I've said it many times. I, 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 I think he's worth it and then some. I think he's great. I think he would be outstanding coming here. He would not be swallowed up by the situation. He knows what to expect in New York. I mean, we've, we've, we've talked about this for, for months, about what bringing Donovan Mitchell back home would mean to this team and the type of player you're getting. But always the stalemate came with R.J. Barrett. A lot of people want to hang on to R.J. instead of just saying, no, there's no way that I can part ways with him, even if it meant getting Mitchell. Well, now you might not have to. Right? The draft choices and then maybe a couple other pieces might be good enough. You don't have to part with your precious R.J. You get to keep R.J. So really isn't it a no-brainer? Like, do you care that much about the draft choices? How much is too much? But Mark Stein is reporting now that, well, if this does happen— Maybe you might make it a three-team transaction where the Lakers get involved because they want to unload the Russell Westbrook contract. He's got almost $50 million left on that sucker. And oh, by the way, remember what happened. Patrick Beverly was acquired by the Lakers. He and Russell Westbrook don't exactly see eye to eye. You know? They're not going to be breaking bread anytime soon. I think we know that. So if you could kill two birds with one stone... If you're the Los Angeles Lakers and you can find a taker on your hands for the contract, so be it. And, look, personally, I don't want any part of Russell Westbrook. Forget it. Like, been there, done that. We we don't need to go down that road. We don't. But if they're the third team and then you can maybe – Lakers want to shed the salary – Maybe get a draft choice or two back that maybe with the Knicks giving up all of these picks and so on and so forth, all right, whatever, you know? L.A. ends up getting maybe Bogdanovich from Utah, who you know is a quality shooter, can never have enough shooters in this day and age in the NBA. Maybe Fournier finds his way out there. All right. But I don't think Knicks fans really care about that. I don't think they're consumed necessarily about, you know, those details. I think if you're the Knicks, you worry about we keep an R.J. or not. Can we get this guy without giving up R.J. Barrett? That's all they care about. You know, we did the, we did the poll question last week, and it was overwhelming, overwhelmingly in favor of hanging on to R.J. Barrett. Even if it meant bringing in Donovan Mitchell. I'll tell you something right now. Nick fans love them some R.J. Barrett. I've learned that over the last few months doing these shows. I mean, I almost think, like, if you had the opportunity, to, if, if, you know, prime, you know, Kobe Bryant was available or Michael Jordan, and if it meant giving up R.J. Barrett, Nick fans wouldn't want to do it. That's how much they've grown to love this guy. Seriously. I mean, they, they, they treat him as if he's one of their own, one of their own kids, prized possessions. But I think that there's a path to a deal to where you don't even have to think about including him. Because to a certain degree, it's the same darn thing that would happen with the, <clears throat> the Nets drama with Kevin Durant. Like, where else is he going? What else are you giving him up for? If you're Utah, nobody's going to be able to give you a trade package as good as what the Knicks are going to be able to offer. So good for Leon Rose. Good for the front office. Good for them standing pat because you know what? You don't have any urgency to do anything otherwise. Nothing else is happening. Like, where else is he getting traded to? Seriously. 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 Nobody, I mean, it's it's, it's logical. There is no other team in the NBA that is going to be able to put forward an offer to the Utah Jazz any better than what the Knicks could give them. And if I'm Leon Rose, I'm calling Danny Ainge, and I'm saying, look, final week of August, got the holiday weekend coming up. Here's where we stand. You know what we have to offer. You could call all the other teams if you want. You could see if you could try to drum up a little bit more from any other team, and I know that you're not going to be able to, okay? So call me after the weekend. Go enjoy your sailing, your yachting, whatever the hell you do on the holiday weekend to finish out summer, and then we could talk again next week. But this is what I got. This is what you can have. This is what you can't have. My phone is open, and that's how it should be. That's how it should be. As messed up as the situation is in Brooklyn right now, because you don't know what to believe anymore, but the Nets weren't going to give Kevin Durant away for nothing. They didn't have to. He wasn't a free agent. He was theirs for the next four years. And unless a team was going to be able to come to them with a quality package, which would have given them a return fitting for the best player to ever wear their uniform, they weren't going to trade him despite how unhappy he was, and despite the threats, and despite the trade requests, despite the fire this guy, or, or get rid of me, and this and that, they stood pat, and what ended up happening? They won the faceoff. Temporarily. Right, because that's going to resurface again at some point, probably next year, when the next salvo of unhappiness is going to make its way through Brooklyn. We, we, we know that that's happening. But as far as this team is concerned with the Knicks, There's no unhappiness right now. You know, the Knicks are where they are. They're still building this thing up. They got Jalen Brunson. They paid him a lot of money. Julius Randle, you hope that he can author a new narrative for the rest of his Knicks career? You know, they wrote in the paper the other day, I think it was Mike Vaccaro, comparing the Julius Randle situation for this upcoming season as to what Francisco Lindor has done this past year with the Mets. If Lindor could turn his whole New York experience around, which he has this year, you mean to tell me Randall can't do that this season with the Knicks? And it's probably easier for Randall because he already was at that place as a member of this franchise just a couple of years ago. Remember, Lindor didn't have any weight to stand on coming to the Mets. He had never done it here before. So if he could do it, why can't Randall do it? Makes perfect sense. So now the ball's in Danny Ainge's court, ball's in the Utah Jazz court. Let's see what they do. But if you're the Knicks, you stand pat. And don't just allow them to come in and take whatever it is that you want. And if and when, and look, I still think it's going to happen. Don't know when, but I think it's going to happen. If you're talking about Donovan Mitchell, Julius Randle, R.J. Barrett, Jalen Brunson, Mitchell Robinson, that's not something you could get excited about as a Knicks fan each and every night. I mean, think about all the other years and all the other teams of the Knicks that you got excited watching. Just because, hey, it's the Knicks. It's my team. I'm watching them. And they weren't half as good as what those five guys could potentially be. Are they perfect? No. Is there still work to be done to the rest of the roster? Yeah, absolutely. But you can't tell me that that's going to be exciting compared to the brand of basketball that we've been used to seeing in here for years and years and years and years. That place down on 33rd going to be jumping each and every single night. And I think we're going to get there. When? Don't know. By opening night? Be great, but I don't know. Wish I could tell you. 800-919-3776 is the number. We'll come back. We'll finish up with some NFL stuff. How intelligent are NFL players in, in scouting one another? And the Bills make a no-brainer move as well. Dan Grossel with you till the top right here on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. My buddy Ty Butler is going to take it the rest of the eve here on this busy Monday night. So he'll be all over everything that's happening in the world of sports. got a Yankee game, which is just getting underway out there in Anaheim as they begin a three-game series against the lowly, lowly Angels. And speaking of, you know, the Angels and the situation, we told you that, you know, they beat up on the Blue Jays this weekend up in Toronto and swept them. Toronto's losing again tonight at home to the, the stinky Cubs. Like, what is happening? Like, I mean, the Blue Jays, they have been as Jekyll and Hyde a team as there has been in baseball probably the entire season. You know, it already cost the manager their job or his job earlier in the year. And for all the talent they have on that roster, like, they sh- they should be consistently better. And you got a team like Baltimore, which is like a fraction of the payroll that the Blue Jays have. And they're only a game behind Toronto in the American League East. Like, it's it's incredible. Like, just how inconsistent and how, you know, flighty a team the Jays have been this year. But you know what? The Yankees aren't complaining. You know, let them struggle. Let them begin consistent because it makes the Yankees' job easier the rest of the way there in that division. But no score in the first inning. The uh, the Yanks and the Halos, Ty will be all over that, I'm sure, the rest of the night. The NFL Network does like this countdown of the top 100 players in the league voted by the players. You know, they've been doing this for, for years. So the latest installment came out yesterday, the final top 10, the top unveiling. And number one was Tom Brady, believe it or not, according to the fellow players in the NFL. So you don't want the best player in the league disappearing for two weeks in the middle of training camp. You want more of a commitment to the team, right? But they had Brady number one, Aaron Donald number two, Aaron Rodgers number three. If your name was Aaron, chances are you were going to score pretty high. Cooper Cup number four for the Rams. Jonathan Taylor number Number five for the Indianapolis Colts, which is laughable. T.J. Watt, number six of the Steelers, who, by the way, dodged an injury bullet playing in the preseason game yesterday, which was good to see. Uh, Devontae Adams, seventh of the Raiders. Patrick Mahomes, number eight of the Chiefs. Jalen Ramsey, ninth of the Rams. And uh, Kansas City's Travis Kelsey, number 10. First of all, how do you have Patrick Mahomes number eight? Like, uh, I, I mean, really? Eight? And you have a running back ahead of him? So, so, so let me get this straight. Just so I can, you know, make sure I know what I'm talking about. And that's why, again, a lot of these players, A, you don't know how serious they actually take it and how much thought they put into it. (laughs) But, like, (laughs) what they're telling you is that if you were building a team from scratch, right, and you could draft, you know, any player in the NFL, that the majority of these guys would draft a running back, Jonathan Taylor, over Patrick Mahomes, if, if they were starting a team. Uh, you would think that Dave Gettleman was voting in this poll. You know, Dave had a few votes. Really? And even uh, Cooper Cup, a wide receiver. How good is the wide receiver if you don't have a quarterback to throw him the ball? That's, that, that's the next question. You want to put Aaron Donald up there? I have no problem. He's the best defensive player. Rex games, all that stuff. But I'm sorry. He's still not as important as a quarterback. The top three should be QBs. Brady, Rodgers, Mahomes. They are on their own level. They are on their own plane. They are head and shoulders above everybody else, and then others have to then take a step back. You want to put Aaron Donald number four? Be my guest. Those are your top four in the National Football League. The three quarterbacks and Aaron Donald. This Cooper Cup nonsense and Jonathan Taylor. and And I love Jonathan Taylor. Jersey guy, you know, runs hard. Decommitted from Rutgers, we got that going for us at least. You know, and he's really, really good. But five in the NFL. So you're telling me you would take a running back over arguably the best edge rusher in the league in TJ Watt? <sighs> scary, right? I mean, it's scary how some of the these are these are the constituents. These are the players. Players supposed to know players. And this is the way that they vote? Oh, my God. You know what I say? Like, oh, thank God, you know what? You're not running my team. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, 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 yikes. And lastly, kind of a no brainer, should have been a no brainer. But when we were doing the show last Thursday night, that was when the story just broke about um, Matt Areza with the Bills, when that story came out about the incident before he got to the NFL, um, when he was still at San Diego State. And it took the Bills a few days, but they finally acted on it, and they did the sensible thing, and they sent them packing. And I understand the whole, you know, innocent until proven guilty thing. I totally understand all that stuff, but you know what? When it comes to something like this, hey, football's secondary. You know, if if it turns out that you are innocent and that what's being reported is incorrect— Let the courts show that. Let everything else decide that. And then you know what? You restart your career. Doesn't have to be in Buffalo. There's 31 other teams. Bills did the right thing. Bills did the only thing that they could do in this situation. What's funny to me is, not funny. I shouldn't say funny. But I wonder aloud, if he wasn't a punter, like let's say he was a quarterback and he was more valuable position to the team, would the Bills have done the same thing or would they still be quote unquote going through the process? Because we've seen it work both ways, right? Look at the Browns and how they treated Deshaun Watson. He's a quarterback. How much money do you want? Here's a blank check. That's all our time for tonight. Thanks to Tom Bauer. Thanks to Jacob Perry. Thanks, everybody. It was great being back. Hey, we'll do it again tomorrow. Ty Butler, up next on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN.